0: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Creek Devil. We have a very special guest with us today, Dave. Uh, Tom, you know, you and Dave talked recently and I I think it would be interesting for you to talk with Dave. You know, Dave and I have interviewed before, but um, so I'm going to have you take it away.
2: Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Yeah, Dave, you and I spoke and I'm not going to give the location away, but uh, you're somewhere in South Florida. Florida is a big state, so uh, somewhere down there and It was just a real pleasure talking to you. You had some great, (laughs) you just had some great stories and a a good experience. But um, if we could, let's start off with your, just fill us in, give us the details on, I believe you're a teenager and you're out, uh, I'll let you phrase it how you like, but I think you're out looking for gators at night and you encountered something.
3: Yeah, well, I was uh, 16 years old, and there was three of us out, and we were, you know, back then, that's something we did in South Florida was catch gators and, you know, eat them, and, and it was it was more just something to do, really, but, you know, it was, we stayed in the woods, either deer hunting or hog hunting or gator hunting, but you you hunt gators at night, and, uh, so we, we happen to be hunting, um, down south of the, the southeast part of the Everglades, which is not part of the park or anything. Even now to this day, it's not. But, um, and we, we had just pulled up to a canal, was searching it and, uh, no luck there. And we had turned around, it was probably about two thirty in the morning, I would guess, and uh we turned around to pull out with the truck and and we have australian pines down here that they planted many years ago to stop the winds of hurricanes supposedly they've cut them all down now because they figured out it don't work (laughs) but the things get you know like 50 60 feet tall but on this road there happened to be a big strand of them, and they're stretched apart. And uh, as I was driving, I noticed some eyes that were, were the eye shine was red, which the only thing we have down here that will shine back red, even in headlights, is a whippoorwill, and we have tons of them. And they're usually sitting in the middle of the road. But, uh, so at first I thought, oh, it's it's whippoorwills in the tree. But as I got closer, it, it. I saw a silhouette of uh, of a what I could only explain looked like a child that's at a park. How they will hang by one hand with their feet at the bottom of a pole and swing around. Only this was just hanging like that and was very big. But it was in the very edge of the headlights, so all I saw was eye shine and it looked like a blur going across the road and our roads down there are they're made out of shell and they're bright bright white and they glow like you can drive without your headlights at night if you wanted to and on the right hand side of the road was a small canal that they used to build these roads and the road was access to a floodgate you know and that's why it's there out in the middle of nowhere. They, they have these floodgates and these canals, and they, they have to access them to open and close them. And, um, but anyways, so when we pulled up there, I, I couldn't quite make out what it was, and it kind of freaked me out. So I pulled up, and we got out, and our spotlight was dead by this time, but we were using a small flashlight that we had you know, that wasn't very bright looking to see if we could see any tracks or anything, and there was nothing really noticeable on the road, and it's a powdery road, so you would see something on the sides if something has walked across it or made, you know, step there. You would be able to see it in the powdery part. So as we're walking, the three of us, there is noise in what these trees are called Brazilian peppers down here, they don't grow very tall, but they're 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 an invasive species that, that just is bushy, but straggly tall branches that grow out of the ground and it, you know, inside them it's usually hollow and animals use them as trailways, you know. As we're walking, I heard something walking beside us in those Brazilian peppers, moving with us as we were as we were going. And my buddies, you know, were moseying along right beside me, you know, and I had stopped and uh, they had kept on walking and I heard it make a noise and then stop. And I I actually had a shotgun with me that we were using for, for hunting that uh, I had a buckshot, slug, buckshot, slug, buckshot, you know, loaded in there. And as I stopped... I could make out what, like I told you the other day, it it looked like a pumpkin on top of a a bale of hay, kind of. If you had a shadow and you stuck that in the trees, that's how big this thing was. But it was crouched down. And it was just basically a shadow that you could see. You know, it didn't belong. You could see, you know, you have your moonlight and, everything and and you could see through the trees a little bit but not great and but you you still could see so as as i was looking at this thing i started walking towards the edge of the canal i was probably six foot from it when i saw this and they're still walking my buddies right they're paying no attention to me and uh, they're looking for tracks and um so, I start stomping my foot, moving towards the, the canal, trying to see if I could get this thing to move or do something. And I got to the edge of the canal, so I probably stomped my foot six or seven times, moving up to the edge, and I seen this thing start to move up, you know, the shadows coming up. And all of a sudden, it let out this roar that, and I've, like, I... I haven't told you, but I was in Alaska, I was all over, I've been all over the world, you know, at, before I was even back here, I'd already been in all over the world, so, uh, hold on for a second, somebody's trying to call me, <laughs> but, um, so I know what a bear sounds are, and in this part of the glades, we don't have bears there at the time. I don't believe there's any there now, but, um, at first, my first thought was, Oh, bear had straggled into this area when it let out this roar that started out as a low guttural roar that a lion would make, you know, like a sound that's just unbelievable to a high pitched scream all in one big long shout. But it's like, it's like that cartoon where you see the lion roar at somebody and that blows their hair back and everything. That's what it felt like. And, you know, me having a gun in my hand at the time, you know, I wasn't having none of that. So I shot two times right at it. And when I did this, it didn't scream or yell. It looked like, and the best way I can explain it is there was two elephants inside the, the, the Brazilian peppers just going at it, tearing everything, was just exploding. And I thought i seen part of it again. You know, when I say shaking, and it would be hard to explain, but the trees were shaking so bad from the bottoms to the tops. It's like something was just grabbing everything and trying to get out of there or something. You know, I don't know exactly what it was trying to do, but I shot three more times and everything stopped. And at that moment is when I uh, decided that it was time to get out of there and uh, turned around to holler at my buddies, you know, let's get in the truck and go. They was already in the truck driving to me. So we got in the truck and left and never went back there again and never really talked about it or anything. And unfortunately, them two guys are dead now. This is in, you know, 1982. Um. So, but that's what happened that time
2: did your buddies have any, um, did you guys discuss it or did you have any idea? They said, Hey, you know, what are you shooting at?
3: We, we didn't know what it was. We, we, when I was a kid in the glades, there was a, a an old guy that we called shaky Dave, that he was a big drinker and he always shook. <laughs> and he had a story one time. <laughs> he had a story one time about him camping out at a, a place we had a camp South of the loop road and it's seven miles into the Everglades. Now that's all national park. They took our camps back in the late eighties, I guess it was mid eighties. I don't even remember what it was, but they burned all the camps that were out there. Even though we had these eminent domain, the park took it over, blah, blah, blah. But, um, he had a story that he would tell us when we were little, I'm talking 10 years old, you know? And, uh, he he would tell us about how he was camping and a skunk ape came into his camp and tried to take his food and and do all sorts of crazy things. You know, I don't remember exactly what it did, except for that he tried to get into his airboat and and start his airboat. And supposedly it broke his prop, grabbed his prop and broke it, which is a wooden airplane propeller, you know. And, uh, so he would always tell us that story about the old skunk cape but we, we never had any run-ins and I hunted with dogs for, for cats, you know, all over that place. And we had deer dogs. We had, you know, we were always in the swamps. I raccoon hunted for years with, a uh, uh, uh ex Marine that was Georgia state champion back then. And, uh. We would hunt all the time at night, and nobody ever really said anything about that. You know, I I had seen a, a book on Bigfoot when I was little. You know, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it had Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster and all that. And it, that's about all I knew. I didn't know anything, you know, about that, and I didn't. I had never heard anything like that to this day. What that thing screamed and roared. And, uh, you
2: don't know if you killed it, right? Or if you just no. sent it packing.
3: I, well, everything shut down after them last three rounds went in. So I don't know. You know, would I think that I did? Possibly. But, you know, I, I didn't stick around. We never went back there ever again. I, uh, I went down that road one time with one of my buddies on three-wheelers. And... Uh, we made it about you know 100 yards the road's probably uh i don't know mile long we made it about 200 yards he was in front of me and i seen him do a quick 180 and come flying by me wide open you know and i thought oh hell the game wardens you know so i did the same thing and hauled ass behind him and i finally caught up to him out on the main dirt road you know and i was like what in the heck is going on you know you just stopped he was all white he's like it felt like some lady with long fingernails just drug her nails across the back of my neck. I said, okay, that's the end of that. I ain't ever going down that road again. So, and shit, we was probably 18 at that time. So it was, uh, you know, it was just one of those things that we never really talked about it. It was never, it didn't mean anything to to me until, you know, later in life. Now I, I, I could assume that's what it was, but you know, back then I had no clue,
2: (laughs) but whoever your buddy was, he was, he was having none of it, right? (laughs) Oh no,
3: no, 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 no. no. And this, this kid, I don't know if he's alive or dead now. I haven't, you know, talked to him in 30 years. So, but, um, yeah, if he heard this, he would know, he would know exactly who it was and, and that exact moment because yeah, he wasn't having none of that. And, and we hunted a lot together and, you know we just never had any problems but that time it freaked him out and in turn it freaked me out cuz i'm i'm thinking it's the law and he's you know got voodoo hoodoo stuff happening uh-huh. so i was uh yeah i was not too happy about it but um
2: right right yeah. i understand i would have got out of there too um have you ever talked to anybody else in the area that may have um seeing the creatures or have, you know, have any stories or encounters uh, on the, on the swamp. I
3: have never, I never talked to anybody in Florida about it or in Georgia or Alabama or anywhere else. Um, until probably when I first got into, to listening to people talking about Bigfoot and stuff way back in 2008, maybe. And, uh, I would say it's probably 2014, 2015 maybe, Uh, maybe a little bit before then, but we hog hunt with dogs down here at night, and you know, you'll have three or four dogs, and and you go out at night, and you don't use lights, you don't need them, you know, We, we only use the lights when we're shining to see what the hog looks like that the dogs have bait, that's the only time we turn on lights two of my buddies, or they're actually my son's buddies, had something, we have salt flats down here that are, where the mangroves meet, the, the freshwater and, and saltwater meet, and we get these mixed forests, I would call it, like, part of them will be, you know, junk trees, Brazilian peppers and stuff, and then you have mangroves, and you have some pines in there, and maybe a few little oaks here and there, and it's really weird but the hogs love these areas and they they were i guess they were 19 years old and they were hunting and um something screamed at them similar what i did was i played the sierra sounds separately one of them was up in georgia working and the other one was here and i called when the one boy told me about it i played the sierra sounds and uh the, the one where the Ohio, big, you know, I was playing them different sounds. And I forget which one it was that he hit on, but he's like, that's it. And then when I called the other, both of them's names, Cody, by the way, <laughs> I called the other Cody and I played the same stuff. He goes, that's it. But what had happened was some, some guys will carry a little pistol in their back pocket. Not, not many, but these, these boys did. and, and, their dogs came running out of the mangrove section and took off towards the truck. And they couldn't understand why, and all of a sudden something came through the mangroves, crashing through the mangroves, which it's impossible to walk in mangroves. Like, it's, it, it, you,
1: you have
3: to bounce from root to root to root to root if you're going to try to walk through them, and it's a very slow process. Something came at them full bore and stopped and was screaming at them, which these boys are big, tough boys. You know, they've been doing this stuff since they're little kids. And uh, so it freaked them out because they know what a bear sounds like. They know what a panther sounds like, you know. So they started to run. And and this thing was beside them in the mangroves. And now when I tell you, these, both these boys are probably 6'2 and one and, and are fast. <laughs> whatever it was stayed up with them in the mangroves but stayed far enough to the side almost all the way back to the to the truck which I'm not sure how many you know if it was a quarter mile you know what it was but a good ways according to them and uh, they got in the truck and the dogs was already in the truck <laughs> so you know that's something that's happened down here that, uh, I know of now, but, um, not, there's not a lot of people down here that talk about it. Uh, it's, it's something that usually a tourist sees them somewhere, you know, and you'll see a a little report on it. You know, somebody saw a skunk ape, you know, it's very rare to get locals to talk about them. They do once in a while, but it's it's not something that people go around talking about. But I've hunted all of South Florida, Central Florida, North Florida, and that's basically the only experience I've had in Florida with that.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm just a real quick comment. We had a another gentleman on, I think you know who he is. He's from South Florida. His name is also Dave, and he's encountered these things uh down there as well. Um and so, Dave, you had mentioned. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think you had an encounter in Georgia as well. Can you tell us a little bit about um, that one?
3: I was I was hunting a set of railroad tracks deer hunting. It was real early in the morning. You know, I was going. I was actually going to sit on a, a railroad trestle, that bottlenecked where the deer would come right down the side of the, and go underneath this railroad trestle. And I was going to sit down there and it it you know, it's probably a mile into the woods where this place was. And it was boggy. It was it was real early in the morning. And I was walking on the side the railroad tracks are built up, they're tall, you know, it's kinda of like a levee with tracks on top of it. And I was walking on the side of the tracks down low. And then you have woods instantly on both sides after this train tracks just cut through woods, you know, and, and Georgia's full of the, these kind of areas. And, um, I seen something and Georgia, Florida has bears, Georgia, unless you get into North Georgia, there's not bear, there's no bears. And, uh, and I wasn't in, I was in central, South central Georgia when this happened. And I seen something come out of the, Woods that was on all fours, and it was probably 250, maybe a little bit more than that, but that was a guesstimate of mine. It walked on all fours up the side of the tracks. When I tried to get up to look at it, you know, it stopped on the top and it kind of stood up a little bit and then went back down before I could get my scope on it or anything and was gone. And it, it looked like a giant chimpanzee to me, you know, at that range. But I'm not sure exactly what it was, you know. And uh, if I had to guess, you know, I'm going to say it was. But
2: uh, a big They book, don't but, have a lot of you know, chimpanzees running around in Georgia, right? I, <laughs> no, but we got them in Florida. <laughs> 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 we, we,
3: we, people should look up this place. We got monkeys. We got chimpanzees we, we we're we the only state that's got stuff that's from every country in the world living in the wild here you know it's it's ridiculous but uh yeah not 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 in georgia and locals would kill anything you know up there that's that they wouldn't have none of that kind of stuff that's probably why there's no bears there you know they don't have panther or mount cougars you know whatever you want to call them and, uh, they don't, they don't really, they don't really put up with stuff like that up there. So, but that was when I had, uh, I had, I was probably 14. I was in Alabama with my dad and, uh, I had shot a deer on the side of the road As again, it was early in the morning and my dad, you know, let me out to, uh, go get this deer you know and pull it to off the road off the side of the road where I shot it and gut it and get it ready to throw in the truck apparently he forgot where I was because he was gone for about an hour <laughs> so <laughs> and uh sitting there I got this deer gutted and I had a, a 45 on my side Uh 45 Ruger Blackhawk oh yeah I used to carry mm-hmm. that thing everywhere and um but I had that on my side and I to this deer and I was sitting in there and I'm waiting for him to come back. There's no vehicles on, these are dirt roads, you know, no vehicles on the road. And, uh, something come in there and was messing with me for a good 30 minutes. It would, it was breaking branches and, and circling me and, you know, and being 14 years old, I was a little bit freaked out, you know, and. Uh, it never came in close enough, but I, I, as soon as I heard the first branches break, I had a gun out. So, you know, if I'd have seen anything, I'd have shot it. But uh, yeah, and it did that. And then when my my dad pulled back up, you know, the, it just stopped. It was, you know, it's like they can. It's like they know everything we do. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy because I've been in the woods all over. I lived in Alaska. Uh, California, you know, um, Texas, New Mexico. I lived in Greece, uh, been in Hungary, Yugoslavia. I've been all over in the woods. And it's very rare that anything happens with those. And you don't see anything like footprints or, or you know, signs of them. Uh, although when you're hunting, like, I, I personally live in a bubble when I hunt and if you're not in my bubble I don't care you know because I'm focused on what I'm doing and so it would have to come into my bubble and and then I would know but I don't hear wood knocks I don't hear um you know howls uh, howls in the night uh you know none of that I've never really heard anything like that but um yeah it's uh it's something probably that happens very rarely because these things apparently, you know, know exactly what we're doing and they steer clear of us, our trails, what we do, you know, they know, and they just don't want to be bothered. My, uh, we were hunting turtles in North Georgia. We had permits to get a special kind of turtle and they only live in the little rivers and creeks up there in the mountains in North Georgia. And, uh, and and I can say the city that we were staying right there at Talking Rock, Georgia. And uh, my son, who used to laugh at me every time I'd make jokes about Bigfoot or anything, skunk apes, you know, tell me I was crazy. He was, at this time, he's probably 23, maybe. And we were, there was three of us again, him and his best friend and me. And we were spread out in these creeks looking for these turtles And my son had to go to the bathroom, and he he climbed up the bank of the creek, which it's woods all the way right to the creek, you know. it's, It's in the middle of nowhere. There's no civilization around there where we were. And the weeds were probably waist high, and there was a little circle of sand in these weeds, and he's hollering at me that there's a Bigfoot track. And I'm like, they have bears up there. And I'm like, it's a bear track. You're just looking at it wrong. Look at it, you know, he's like screaming at me, come, hurry, hurry, come. And I went to, you know, got up there where he was and got out and looked at it. And it was the most perfect Bigfoot track I ever saw. That's the only one I've ever saw in my life. And uh, he took pictures of it and everything. And it was probably 15 inches long, but it, it was like fresh. It was, it had just happened, you know and so he, they were freaked out, they, he, he wanted to go back to the truck, he didn't want no part of that no more, you know, where we were, let's move to another area, because he's thinking, you know, he, all of a sudden now, he's seen something, and he's got, he's got so many phones over the years, and he saved the SIMS card, but he can't find the SIMS card, because I was telling I was telling him the other day, when I talked to you, that, uh, you know, see if you could find that, because it, he put his foot beside it, you know, and, you could see how wide it was, and and it was just perfect. And there was no reason for, hey, nobody would have even been able to walk through there where we were and and think, oh, somebody's gonna find this, you know. It wasn't a hoax. It was a perfect track, and that's the only one I've ever seen in my life. So, but I'm not looking for them, you know, unless they were on a trail where the deer were, and I I wouldn't, you know. I'm looking at deer tracks and hog tracks or whatever I'm hunting. I'm not. I'm focused on that, you know. I'm not looking off to the sides for bigfoot
2: tracks so you know it is a, a little different it's it's yeah a, uh, it's a different feeling when you see um <clears throat> bigfoot tracks especially if they're fresh ones and you think it's nearby um it's just kind of an unsettling unsettling well, feeling
3: yeah it's a, i've never thought about it i uh you know i don't I hunt at night by myself. I don't. I've never feared anything in the woods, and you know, it's not something I do to this day. I don't dwell on it or think about it because if they wanted us, they'd have had us a long time ago. The you know, so it's I just don't think like that. But uh, I followed a guy that was a guide up in Canada, and uh, way back when he first started, and I would watch his videos. I thought he was a really good hunter, and he had some good stories and. It's howtohunt.com, I think, or I watch it on YouTube. But I got to thinking about it one day. I was like, this guy's been guiding, you know, for 25, 30 years, and it's in British Columbia and everything. He's got to have some Bigfoot stories or something, you know, Sasquatch, as they call them. And uh, one day, all of a sudden, he he just popped up with a, a Sasquatch story. And I was like, oh, no, he didn't just do that, did he? And now he's got tons of it, you know he's getting all the people up there sending them all their encounters, so you know it's it's just something that I don't believe people talk about a lot unless you know it's one person that's g had an experience to another person when you When you get local city folk here that you know they don't even it's something. You know, that's uh, uh, a legend, or you know, they don't. Uh, yeah, it's
2: it. urban legend, uh, lore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you get into areas, and honestly, I'll, I'll just comment. Uh, we get a lot of stories, uh, encounters out of uh, Florida, especially South Florida, but also up in North Florida. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, all you know, nationwide, there's there's the, the creatures are really all over the place. More so in some areas than others.
3: Yeah, I, I truly believe that, you know. And um, I've now, I've, of course, I've read a lot of stuff all over the years, and and read a lot of encounters and different things, and uh, you know, places where I've been. Uh, Fort Rucker, Alabama, is where I was, and there's one about a um, a fireman that that that's a helicopter training base and uh so when they're doing live fire they have firemen there that are um uh there in case they they start a fire with their rounds you know and this guy was taking a break and he was walking down a fire break and he had one stand up and 50 feet from him you know and it freaked him out and he uh I don't think it screamed at him. I think it, it just looked at him and he looked at it and they both went separate ways. But that, you know, that's a fireman out of the same place where I was, where I had that thing circling around me. I don't know what it was, you know, but um, it it was weird.
2: Well, if you're, but, um, it, let me ask you this. So the creature circles, something is circling around you and you're very familiar yeah. with all the wildlife, hogs, mountain lions, bear. Yeah. It's, it's, do any it's of those do normal. that?
3: Yeah. But when you're 14 years old, you know, you, you don't think like that, you know,
2: you right. think,
3: um,
2: but I'm it, talking about the behavior, the behavior of any of the oh, standard per, uh, predator animals or any of the animals well, there. It, Does, do any uh, of those do I would, that? It,
3: it would be trying to scare me off of it. Listen, that's I I was hunting uh, uh, a wildlife management area down here with bows, and one of the guys I was hunting with shot a hog, and the panther come in and took the hog from him. <laughs>
2: you know. Okay.
3: Right. So he heard he heard him squealing when he was dying. He was right there. He just came in and drugged the damn hog off. You know. Uh, I'm. I know people. Uh, out west and up in Alaska and stuff when they kill something, you know, they have to watch out because bears will come and and steal their stuff. And you're not allowed to kill them when they do that. Apparently they're allowed to do that. <laughs> you're not allowed yeah, to let their neck.
2: I, I, my understanding, will maybe you can comment on this. Uh, it's kind of gotten the point <clears throat> in a lot of areas where actually a firearm is sort of the dinner bell for, uh, for better, for
3: yeah, bears and, yeah.
2: Yeah, for grizzlies, for sure.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's what... Now, down here, that don't happen, you know, that's very rare. You it, you talk to people, and people don't think there's bears in Florida, you know, and you'll hear people say, oh, there's no bears in Florida. There's big bears in Florida. Like I was telling Tom, you know, our, we're second in, in the United States with 780-pounder killed right here 30 miles from my house on the road, hit by a truck. So if you don't think a 780-pound black bear is big, let me tell you. And they I make fun of them because the, the male bears here are really big. You know, I've seen 500-pounders numerous times. But their bodies in proportion to their arms or their, their whatever you want to call them, their legs, uh, their legs are very big. Their front legs especially compared to their bodies, you know. Because they're always digging and, you know, rooting stuff up here. They're not, they're more omnivorous. And uh, the cats here are the ones that, you know, take your deer and your hogs. But but the bears here, they'll eat your garbage. <laughs> you, you know, we have bears right here where I'm at, you know, come into our neighborhood and get in the garbage if you put it out sometimes, you know. So, but yeah, that, it's it's a, predatory thing of trying to scare it'd be like a pack of wolves trying to scare a bear off a kill so they could eat it
2: you know what I mean? Yeah, well that was kind of where I was going with this was um, it's not normal, you're not going to get a, and I just wanted your thoughts on this neither a mountain lion, nor a bear nor a hog is going to do that circling No uh, what, uh. That's un unusual and uncharacteristic
3: yeah yep. yeah it's not something which and snapping little twigs and and you know letting you know they're there but they're not you know making themselves visible or or you know letting you know their exact pinpointed area you know what i mean in other words he knew i had a gun which i believe truly all animals know when you got a gun if you're close enough to them they can smell them so there's something with guns and animals you go in the woods without a gun you'll see all sorts of stuff you put a gun on your side you'd be like where'd everything go (laughs) what happened you know it's uh but these things definitely know and
2: um well you've made a good point it's uncharacteristic Uh, both predator and prey are their existence their survival is based for different reasons is based on stealth and this is the polar opposite of stealth
3: yeah I mean I'm out in the middle of nowhere and I got a dead deer that I just gutted so you could probably smell it a mile away if you're a you know a a dog or a bear or panther or whatever it was but this is Alabama, you know, we had wild dogs that we had problems with, but there was no bears, there was no cats, you know, there was none of that there. And this is probably, what, 78, 77, 78, 79, maybe? So, yeah, it's, uh, now you got coyotes everywhere. We didn't even have coyotes in Florida back then. Now we ate up with them, you know, so... It's, uh, it's amazing what these animals have done over the years, you know, and you see these people with, uh, there's no cougars here, and all of a sudden somebody catches one on a trail cam somewhere, you know, and,
2: oh, there is one here, huh.
3: you know. So it's, it's kind of weird. Well,
2: and I just read in the news, unrelated to our current topic, but apparently in, uh, I don't know if it's just South Florida or all of Florida, there's now a bounty, I think it's the... Florida fishing game or DNR or whatever it is on the uh, pythons.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, we hunt them. I've been down there quite a few times, in a glaze with my son, and you know we go down there and just something to do. <laughs> you know, you're doing a favor if you catch them and kill them. So, but back in the back in the '70s, we we people were, was letting them go. That's when it happened. You know, they buy a Burmese p- python, and all of a sudden it's 14 foot long and eating baby pigs, and they don't want nothing to do with that, you know. So they would just, oh, I can't. I lived on a, out in the country here for 15, 20 years on the end of a dirt road, and people would let more cats and dogs go, you know, and it's a pitiful thing because the cats survive. But dogs, you know, you you find them emancipated and, and just in such bad shape that you have to put them down, you know, and but people just let them go because they don't want to have them put to sleep or they don't want to try to give them away. And they think, Oh, it's like that movie where the dog, the cat and the raccoon or whatever it is, go across the country, you know? So, you know, same thing with animals here, people let them go or to get loose. <laughs> we have, uh, we have, probably a lot of different places down here because of the weather where they have you know orangutans or baboons or you know and they're doing whatever they're doing with them i don't know but they get loose and then they you know people have to hunt them down and you know get them back and sometimes they don't and uh people spot people have spotted chimpanzees in the woods they've spotted you know other things but you know, it's a baboons <laughs> down there in the glades. Apparently, I haven't seen them. I haven't been down there in years. But uh, apparently, there's some baboons down there now. But you could get bit by a, a cobra, you know, or, or a black... Uh, there was a TV cable guy down there that got bit by a black mamba.
2: Oh, my goodness. That's my the, the worst. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: You know, you, you might run into a cobra. You might find an anaconda. It isn't just pythons that's just the worst one because that was one that was real cheap that people bought a lot of you watch it 20 years from now, we'll be ate up with ball pythons because everybody has ball pythons now, but they don't grow very big and they're hard to feed. And you know, they're not a great pet cause they don't, you know, do anything. So
2: let me back let them up go. for a second. Yeah. Let me, uh, I want to kind of go back to the chimps and the baboons mm-hmm. for a moment. Um, is it absolutely certain that those that chimps and baboons are out there, or was this just something that the news media had reported on? the news doesn't
3: doesn't report it it's 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 only you'll only have to look at a a a local town and find a report about it. but we hear about it you know once in a blue moon, somebody sees their deer hunting and they have a chimpanzee run across the road in front of them, you know and uh you're not going to find them, you know, and the baboons in the glades, you could forget it. It's just like the pythons. If they ever get a hold, you know, and they had a, a testing facility, what they were doing on them. I don't know, but my buddy's mother was one of the, the people that took care of them there because, you know, she had a, she would bring home baby baboons. And, and these little things would running around in diapers. And let me tell you what, that was the most annoyingest things because she'd go in the back bedroom and them things that start messing with you. And these are little teeny monkeys, you know, with diapers on them, right? they start messing with you, sticking their fingers in your ear and poking at you. And as soon as she come out, they were angels. You know, it was crazy. But she had a facility well, there. I, see, I, I seen male baboons are the ugliest things you ever could see face to face. And they had some big ones in those cages out there where she worked. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't, if I saw something like that in the woods, I'm killing it. But, you know, it's that thing where people, you know, they look at a, a, a big humanoid thing that's full of hair and they don't know if it's part human or not. You know, I could see their point of not killing it. But you see something ugly like that, a baboon, let me tell you, <laughs> a hunter would, you know, fix that problem. But you don't see them. They steer clear of you. It's like these pythons, you know, these guys hunt them every night. They're, they're out there. We go, when we go down there, we'll run into 20 guys, big racks of lights on their trucks. They can see 75 yards in every direction with these big light bars they got on their trucks, you know, and they, they got five people looking for snakes and
2: they might catch one, maybe two, you know, and, and, and. what do you think about uh, going back to the chimps and the baboons? So those are primates, um, and right. people report seeing those. <clears throat> I, I'm really curious if there's a chance of misidentification, and if, especially no, if there's because orangutans. The okay. Well,
3: even an even an orangutan. I don't know. We got this place called Monkey Jumper down here, and if you ever visit that place, you'll know why these things are nasty. <laughs> but they ain't that big. Orangutans are, you know, the same size as a woman, you know, five foot tall. You're lucky. They're wide and they're they got long arms. Chimps are even smaller, you know. Gorillas, what are they? Five foot five, maybe five foot something like that. It's not the same. These these things that people are seeing are huge. You know, they're seven foot tall, eight foot tall, and and I'm going to be the first to tell you that. I've heard more stories of 14 foot alligators and I get there and it's nine foot. You know what I mean? And here's a, here's a, here's an exact example. My buddy and me was hunting probably three years ago and he's got an AR on him, right? And I'm in front of him. I I might've had my 30, 30. I don't remember what gun I had. And we had a bear, a mama bear stand up in front of me about 30 foot. And she had two cubs underneath her. And my buddy's, you know, 20 feet behind me. And I just throw my hands up to her, you know, and I was like, hey, bear, get out of here. Right. And she seen me and she was standing up instantly. Once she seen I was I was a person, she was gone. No problem. I didn't want to have to shoot her, but that's what would have happened if she had charged. But she's 30 foot from me with two cubs underneath her and she was gone. So I turn around to my buddy, he's not a woodsman, and, and he's telling me, he's like, oh, my God, did you see that thing was seven foot tall? And it, pro- it probably weighed 400 pounds. My buddy weighs 360 pounds, and he's six foot two, right? I said, boy, you outweighed her by probably 110 pounds, and she's about five foot tall if you're lucky, you know, but he seen a seven foot tall bear that weighed four or 500 pounds, you know, but he's not used to the woods. So you you get what I'm saying? It's people misidentify things, sizes and, and, you know, weights real easily. Sure.
2: Sure. But
3: you get, you get a guy that hunts religiously all his life. He's going to be able to be really close to what the heights weights and everything you know he'll be able to tell you what a deer weighs and how many how old he is you know and different it's the same it's it's very
2: different for people that are in the woods all the time versus people that don't go in the woods you know hiking up a trail but you're saying that the experienced woodsman out there would know the difference between a seven foot uh, bipedal hominid as opposed to uh, a chimp or or, or orangutan or something like that
3: Yes. Yeah. There the, there's only one picture I ever seen out of Florida and it was right up here by us uh probably it's probably an hour north of me and the lady sent up. the she had something stealing oranges she would buy oranges to send up north to her to her relatives and stuff, you know. And she would stack them on her back porch. And something was coming in and taking her oranges. So she goes out with one of those cameras, disposable cameras, with a flash on it. And holds it up over the palmettos and takes a picture. And that's the one that everyone goes, oh, it's an orangutan. Oh, you know, if you look at an orangutan, that's not an orangutan. Now, if I I was going to say exactly what a skunk ape looks like up close and personal, that would have been it. And she sent that to the police up there and said, listen, you guys got an orangutan loose, and, uh, you know, please do something about it. Well, it's not an orangutan because, A, it's squatted down and it's bigger than an orangutan, and you can see its legs and its arms and everything. But, you know, she just happened to stick that camera up over to, to Palmettos and flick those pictures wondering what she thought when she got those developed.
2: You know, you know, I saw that you can picture. See it's
3: thought,
2: have you seen it? I I have definitely seen it. I thought it was interesting, and I don't recall. I don't know. Um, are you aware if uh, any biologists or primatologists or anybody has analyzed the picture and and uh, yeah?
3: Those? Well, they have, and and there was a I don't know her name. It's been a while since I've read all this, but uh, there was a lady, a biologist, that said. It doesn't look like an orangutan, you know, and then you had a cryptozoo. what's his name? Oh, gosh. Uh, I can't remember his name now. He's famous. I don't remember. Is it Lauren Coleman? Maybe. Who apparently found the, this lady's anonymous. She sent that to the police. Somebody found out right. more right. information. But, you know, the lady told him what it was doing, coming and stealing the oranges and you know, and she did that with the camera, and it didn't come no more. And I don't, I don't know all the stories that go along with that one. But if you look at that picture, and you analyze that picture, and, and look at it up close, you'll see a leg and an arms, and it's big. You know, it's it's good seven foot tall probably if it was standing up. Because you look at those palmettos; they're really thick, which means they're older and tall, probably five foot tall. You know. And, uh, this thing is crouched down behind them and you can see how thick they are. And if you see them every day, like I do, you know, and you know what they are, it's a, it's a big animal.
2: Well, you know, I've often wondered, they've got to have tough hides. Those palmettos are, I mean, they put rose bushes to shame.
3: Well, it's not that it's yeah. Well, no, they're just thick, but, um. It's not that. It's the bugs. You know, if they got all the hair here, it's to keep them cool and to keep the bugs off them because you, you know, a human in, in the Everglades, that mosquitoes don't like me. I don't know why. But they will eat you alive. <laughs> you know, you it's it, the mosquitoes and the horse flies and everything else that goes along with it. It's the bugs. If they got thick coats, that's why, the bugs, keeping mosquitoes the mosquitoes off of them, you know, but that's a good, yeah, yeah, and the hair, you know, it's like right now, we're just talking about how hot it is here, you know, and it's hot, but hair acts like a radiator, you know, and if you got it all over your body, well, maybe that helps them cool off, if not, they, plenty of water here and everything, you know, you, you can stay cool if you want to. But I, I would assume that, you know, they're they're thick skinned and yes. And that picture of that skunk ape, if you look at the teeth, it's got canines, you know, well yes, developed I saw not that. Sang, but there is noticeable canines, you know. And you look at orangutans and everything. A gorilla will have that, but but you don't see that so much with orangutan. And uh yeah, that's that's the only picture I've ever seen that I really truly have no doubt that some lady caught one, you know, and I've heard I've heard people up there that live way out in the middle of nowhere, you know, we have we have subdivisions that'll just pop up in the middle of the woods, you know. And they don't go out at night because there's something that comes up and down their streets making noise and getting in the garbages and the first thing you think of is bears, but they're saying it's not bears, you know and uh there there's all sorts of little chatter about things. It's just people don't report it to the news, and the news really don't care unless you know it's something that they could really hype up you know if I uh, oh, agreed if they if they you know could there were some guys in Mayaka that stopped on the side of the road, and you can look it up and you'll see like twenty people taking pictures, and there's something out in the middle of that prairie that doesn't belong you know and but you never heard about it i i got it on youtube and watched it you know but you got 20 people stopped on the side of a road taking pictures and these things are you know 300 yards out in the middle of a of a sawgrass prairie you know and they're tall and black you can't really tell in the video because you know nobody has uh, uh professional equipment with them you know and so that's probably part of it. You try ever try to take a picture of an animal. That just talking about that bear. My buddy has has his iPhone in his backpack, you know. And I was like, "Where's your camera? Where's your phone?" He's like, "It's in my backpack." I was like, "You could have took a picture," <laughs> you know. But it happens all so fast, and you know, unless you're you got a camera in your hand and that's what you're doing, you know, I see why people don't don't get pictures oh, and that's they do, to they're right. blurry, because it's yeah. all fast they're moving You know, I ain't never seen nothing blurry through none of my rifle scope <laughs> you know what I'm saying right. But if I, because I'm settled in and looking but if I was to try to catch the same thing with a camera hey you're not going to be able to see it probably and B it'd probably be blurry because I'd probably be moving trying to catch it you know So unless you were set up with a tripod and, and, um, you know, I, I always make that joke about everything's blurry, but that's why you're not, it's too hard unless you're an animal photographer and you're set up in, you know, over bait or, or, you know, where they're coming and you sit there and wait days. Those guys sometimes spend weeks in the same place to get one picture, you know? And well, you've
2: talked about this. Do that will's will's had an experience like this where will you and we talked about it on the last episode i think where you and somebody else were out and you were discussing it all day about having your camera ready and a a bear ran out for about 100 yards It, it ran
0: right out in front of the truck and we chased it for about 100 yards and neither one of us you know we both had camcorders in our hands
3: i never thought about taking a picture right not once cuz you're in the moment. It's like, you know, you're 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 doing something and and you don't your mind only can focus on one thing at a time. It's not like you're you know, you're chasing a bear. Uh I've run them up trees out here at my property. I would just chase them till they ran up a tree and then I'd laugh. Well, I had my phone in my pocket, but I never took a picture <laughs> because I see bears all the time, you know? So it's uh, Panthers. You know, if you see Panthers in Florida, you're a lucky person, supposedly. You know, we supposedly only have 50 pairs of them in the whole state. And I've seen them things 30, 40 times, <laughs> you know, up close and personal. I almost stepped on one one day. It walked out. I was creeping up a trail, and it stepped right out. I could have kicked it. And when I tell you that thing leaped 25 foot in one bound, that's probably underestimating how, and it was gone that fast. I saw it hit the ground. It looked at me. I had a gun in my hand. I wouldn't have shot it, but, you know, and, and, boom, it was gone that quick, you know? And, uh, you just don't, there's no time. And especially if you saw something that's seven or eight foot tall and weighs, you know, six, 700 pounds, got shoulders, four foot wide and a pumpkin head full of hair. No you're not going to be thinking about taking a picture. Most people will be thinking about which way are they going to run. <laughs> because I don't want to run you over if you're beside me, so which way are you going, you know? and uh, You know, that's a good yeah.
2: point. And you, you, you did, you made an excellent point about being in the moment. And that moment is a lot more intense when you have one of those creatures in front of you than just a bear or even a mountain lion.
3: Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, anything that can kill you, a a dog, you know, somebody with a big dog and that thing's, you know, showing its teeth and coming at you, what are you going to do? Most people are going to (laughs) run, you know, and that's the first thing you don't want to do, but that's that's your instinct. Let me get away from this thing, you know, and you see something out of the ordinary in the woods like that, then... At night, it's different because you're stuck wherever you're at, you know, and you, you know, you're in a campground or something, and there's some outside your tent. What do they do? They stay huddled in the tent, you know. It's not they don't uh, get out and go. Hey, what are you doing? You know, because they're they're scared.
2: Yeah, exactly. So it's, your your self preservation is, is yeah number one priority. Yeah, right. um, So you've You've, uh, you had this encounter down in, in Florida and you had one in Georgia. Um, and I can't remember, but we had briefly spoken and you had said that you were up in Alaska. I don't know if you said you had encountered Yeah, one.
3: no, I, 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 uh, there was a time when the the military digs foxholes and, and I was young, but I stayed in the woods. Like my parents gave up when I was about eight, <laughs> I would stay in the woods for a day and a half, two days sometimes, because it stays light in the summertime, full bore, you don't know what time it is. And so, you know, we we didn't think nothing of being in the woods, and, and you got bears and wolves, and you see them, you know, and they don't bother you. They steer clear of you and everything. But we was in a foxhole, and uh, something come up. The, the military built these foxholes, and we were playing in them with BB guns. and there was two boys with me we were all probably eight years old and uh something stuck its arm in front of us in in the turret of the foxhole where we could see and it wasn't a bare hand but it was full of hair you know and we freaked out and i don't remember exactly what we did but we got out of the foxhole but by the time we was out of there it was gone you know and uh but now was
2: this in the you, daytime
3: or, or this at nighttime? Oh yeah, no, it was. Well, it was in the summertime. I I can't tell you if it was day or night because it never gets dark there. So I don't remember. You know, it, when I say it never gets dark, it never gets dark. So you can play right. in the woods or outside. Your parents are sleeping. They put tinfoil on the windows, you know, so that they can sleep. And you know, kids just we just this is 1975. You know, '74. said we just run them up. But um, yeah, that's that was the only thing. And I mean, I I had a bear. While I was fishing in the river with my dad, and I had a big brown bear walk right down beside me. I I probably didn't even come to the top of his his, his below his shoulder is how big this thing was. They had the evilest eyes to look into you ever want to look at. It, they're just evil looking. You know, they had those red eyes. It's like uh. But this thing walked right down beside me and started doing his thing in the river. And he was 15, 20 foot from me. And I'm like, my dad's, you know, 20 yards from me fishing. And I'm freaking out. And he's just holding his hand up like, don't worry. Don't worry, you know. And, yeah, it, it never bothered me. It's amazing. Those, you know, you got all those people up there. And how many times do you hear somebody getting killed by a brown bear up there, you know? They just don't bother people. We're not tasty to them. So, you know, it's a uh, certain animals just don't bother us, but and these things apparently don't either, or we would be on the hit list. You know, if they're that if they're that big, that strong, you know, there's no way a human without a gun would stand a chance. You know, and you heard stories of back in the pioneer days when people go and hunt them down, and they got 18 men, and this thing waylays them. That's a That's out of, I think, Georgia or North Florida, where it was doing something, and they put a hunting party together, and it ended up tearing up half the guys. It's a story. I don't know if it's true or not or where it came from, you know, but I read it, and only, like, two of the guys out of the 18 made it back, and they said that it was dead when they left, but they weren't sure, and it had killed all of them when they were shooting it, and mind you, they got black powder rifles back then that, you know, weren't, comparable comparable to what we have now but you know
2: still very effective but, uh, well dave yeah. listen we're i think we're running a little short on time and i really appreciate this uh, a great great encounter great story really love the one about going down there and gator hunting we encountered this thing um, so we're, uh, we're about to wrap it up, but do you have any other questions for us before we go?
3: No problem. No, I'm, I'm good with everything. I was just, uh, glad to talk to y'all.
0: Dave, we haven't talked to you soon enough, but, uh, definitely appreciate you doing this.
3: Yeah, no problem. Y'all holler at me anytime. Will <laughs> do. absolutely. Available. All
0: right, before If we... I
3: hear of anything, I, I'll let you know.
0: All right, we, we appreciate that, Dev. And, uh, before, yeah, no problem. Before we move on to the next segment, I, I do want to mention that the next segment is with Pam Pierce. We interviewed her before, folks, so this is a different interview. It's not the same one. Just wanted to mention that before we get into that. So, everyone, stay tuned for that after the break. In Bigfoot history. Bluff Creek Road, October 12, 1958, Northern California. Several miles south of where the tracks were usually seen, Ray Kerr and Leslie Brazil, in a pickup truck at night, claimed to have seen a huge, dark, hairy, man-like figure take the road in two strides. Footprints were found at the place they indicated. This was the first publicity-reported sighting of Bigfoot at Bluff Creek. But I was told that Lawrence of from Oric. Had actually seen him earlier outside a shack by the road where he bunked at night. He had left the job without, at the time, saying why.
1: Preliminary description of the external morphology of what appeared to be the fresh corpse of a hitherto unknown form of living hominid. This paper describes, in somewhat general terms, the results of a preliminary inspection of the corpse of what appeared to be some form of large primate of hominid form. The notion that it is a composite, manufactured from parts of human corpses and or other animals, must, of course, still be considered, since the body has not yet actually been examined. Should it be, the artist who put it together, inserting several million hairs in the skin before it rotted or was preserved, would have to have had some concept to work from, and there is no such extent. This, for the following reason. This body is not that of any hominid or pongid and what is much more significant, it does not conform to any reconstruction or artist's conception of any fossil man or ape or other anthropoid. Its general features and particular characters, as detailed above, display an extraordinary mixture of what have until now been assigned either to men or apes, but it also shows others that have never been assigned or attributed to any of either. However, Two separate companies specializing in model making for waxwork museums, exhibits, and film companies in Hollywood, California, have been traced, and individual model makers working for both have stated that they made copies with wax or latex and using hair from bears. Mr. Hansen, the caretaker, informed us in January of this year that such a model had been made in April of 1967 because the owner of the original was worried about its safety. An object such as this could possibly be constructed starting with the skin of a large, male, pale-skinned chimpanzee using a human skull, glove-makers, wood racks for the hands, and so forth. The original could have been of this nature, and then a copy or copies made from it. Just in case this might not be the origin of the specimen, we should consider the alternative. Namely, that it is a genuine corpse of a comparatively recently killed specimen— not fossilized in any way, of some form of parahominid. This is the considered opinion of Huvelmans, and is based on as thorough an examination as he was able to make, considering that the specimen is encased in ice that is more than half opaque and sunk about two feet below the glass cover of its container. And, if this is the correct interpretation, we would opine that it would more probably be on the hominid rather than the pongid stem of anthropoid evolution. Just where it should be placed on that stem cannot, of course, be said until it has been properly examined out of its ice envelopment. Further, and much more important, will be any analysis of its blood, plasma, and other body fluids, if they are still sufficiently preserved for typing. Even then, we may well be confounded because this specimen displays such a combination of characters attributed to the two presently thought quite widely separated families of anthropoid primates, and this constrains us to add a note of added caution. In view of the fact that Pongids and hominids have now been shown to fall into several groups, together, Vaidi, the Caucasoid and Congoid hominids, with the gorillas and chimpanzees on the one hand, and the Miyas, Siamangs, and Gibbons among the Pongids with the Mongoloid hominids on the other, Is it not possible that not only the hominids, but the pongids have a grid-like genetic origin? If this be the case, could the concept not be further extended to include all the anthropoids so that there may have been, and in this case may still be, truly man-like apes and ape-like men? This specimen is by several criteria a hominid, noticeably by its feet, but it has many pongid characters. Are the diagnostic features we are currently employing to separate the apes from men valid? If not, are both our families invalid, and could both groups form but one complex? If so, we will have to add the hairy man to Desmond Morris's naked ape. Anything of this nature will absolutely demand an overall revision of our ideas of both physical and social anthropology, and will present a somewhat alarming problem to scientists and religionists alike. This author's personal opinion as to the precise identity of this specimen is, at the moment, not formulated. As a trained zoologist, and one who spent many years collecting mammalian and particularly primate specimens for examination, dissection, and preservation in the field, and while fresh— we would not presume to make any definite pronouncement upon anything other than a purely generalized overall description of its external appearance. The corpus must be freed from its ice encasement and properly examined first. However, some speculation as to the taxonomic status of this creature, if it finally proves to be real, is perhaps permissible since we do have detailed measurements and photographs to back it up. It is Heuvelman's opinion, which he states categorically in his paper, that this body represents the fresh remains of a Neanderthaloid human. Such hominids are currently classed as a subspecies of Homo sapiens, yet Heuvelman's has named this item Homo pongoids, and thus of full specific rank. Though we suggested that appellation, pongoids, in the first place, we envisaged it either as a subspecific to Homo sapiens, since we have no idea as to the external morphology of the fossil Neanderthaloids, or merely as a possible specific for some other genus of Anthropoid. However, this suggestion was purely tentative in that, despite the existence of this specimen, we have no more idea of its anatomy histology or physiology than we do of the external morphology of the Neanderthalers. I am therefore officially disassociating my name from that given in Hoovelman's paper. We are constrained to do this not only because we are personally averse to naming any specimen before it has been physically obtained and properly examined, but also more precisely because we are not convinced that this specimen is Neanderthaloid or even a member of the genus Homo as presently constituted. Further still, it might not even be an anthropoid, but rather a survivor of a line divergent from, and possibly lying between, the hominid and the pongid branches, but derived from a common ancestor to all three. In the absence of the corpus itself, as of the time of writing, and in view of our total lack of knowledge of the external morphology of any anthropoids other than the living hominids and pongids, we consider it to be most incautious to attempt to identify this specimen as of now, and more especially, to confine it within a subspecific title. And anent this, one essential feature of this specimen seems to have been overlooked. What can be seen of the conformation of the face, meaning the front of the head, in no way conforms to any known fossil hominid, apart from the juvenile Australopithecoids, and particularly to that of any Neanderthaler of comparable size. There is no prognosticism, virtually no brow ridges. The forehead does not slope acutely. The two teeth that can be seen are infantile. In fact, from what can be assessed of the anatomical structure of the fore part of the skull, this creature is almost as far removed from the standard Neanderthaloid construction as is possible. In these same respects, it shows no more affinity with Homo erectus, Homo habilis, what is known of same, or more especially such lower types, as were once called pithecanthropines, Australopithocines, or such like. In fact, if it does prove to be a hominid, by whatever criteria may be decided upon to define that family when and if it is examined, it might well be called homopongoids, but it most certainly should not be assigned to the Neanderthal race or complex." Our final conclusion, therefore, is that the specimen we inspected was that of a genuine corpse as opposed to a composite or a construction, and that it is some form of primate. We would categorize it, as of now, as an anthropoid, but whether it is a hominid, a pongid, or a representative of some other previously unsuspected branch of that superfamily, we are not prepared either to say or even to speculate. There are certain firm indications that the specimen examined by Huvelmans and this writer, though it has been removed from the place where we saw it, and hidden while a substitute model has been installed, has not been destroyed, and may therefore eventually become available for proper scientific examination. Until such time as this is achieved, we advise that it serve only as a pointer to the possible continued existence of at least one kind of fully haired, ultra-primitive, anthropoid-like primate, and be used only as a lever to pry open the hitherto hidebound notion that any such thing is impossible. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil. If you or anyone you know has had an encounter with these creatures, please contact us at William Jevning at yahoo.com. That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open out there.